Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. We started a discussion because uh, is it uh, Shona's is just having a big reaction to eating guacamole and chocolate <laughs> and chips. Oh, <laughs> and and this conflict of of. Um, Western thought and Ayurveda. And so if this isn't a good conversation, you can just, you know, chop it, cut it. But it kind of asks the question, you know, like, because we were talking about healing. And um, one of the reasons we don't heal is because we don't have the proper information for healing. I would say that's the foundation of this example that Shona and I are talking about just it's it it feels like a the question is well I'm in a flare-up right now um and the frustration is there's so many mixed messages between what Ayurveda is telling me and then what western science is telling me Mm -hmm. Um, people in my life who who you know have the western science approach telling me these things and then Mm -hmm. so the example is you know I'm constipated so Western science is saying up the fiber, up the psyllium husk, up the oat and wheat bran, the water, um, mm-hmm. you know, fruit <clears throat> to deal with the constipation. But Ayurveda is saying, you know, don't do oatmeal, don't eat fruit with meals. Um, eat well, it- mushy, <clears throat> lots of vegetables, stews, whatever. Yeah. And that has to do with the stage that you're at too, because there's times to eat oats. Like I'm, I'm eating oatmeal for breakfast right now Mm -hmm. because of the stage that I'm at because of the time of year. So, Mm -hmm. um, you're in Ayurveda, you're looking at what are the doshas doing 
Well, um, and, and how does that influence the choices I make with my food right now? And so <clears throat> it's very complex. It's not one size fits all. Whereas Western science is we're looking for the one thing that's going to be good for everyone. And I think that they're wising up to that too. But uh, <clears throat> you can have people that are pushing, like I said, they're pushing their um, stools with the use of um, fiber, magnesium, it's, you know, that kind of thing. And yet the doshas are still in their um, state of disequilibrium. They're out of range um, and uh, they remain that way. So I would say, you know, me as an N of one, uh, I haven't had to take magnesium now for, you know, I think I've taken one dose in two years and my bowel movements have become more regulated without without the use of these other things that i used to take to push it along so yeah it's weird i take magnesium every night but i feel like it's not even working anymore um or anything that i use to push it isn't really working stops working after a while yeah so. yeah it's because these um and it's so hard to get our heads around the doshas Mm -hmm. but they're they're the driving forces behind the physiology so they're one step back and the other thing you know like, like again if we look at uh, could could these be here or not in um you look at the history of western medicine and you have the four humors right like um <clears throat> and they probably borrowed those from Ayurveda. There was some conversation there, right? And then at some point, Western medicine decided those were quaint and wrong. But I think that they still, they probably have a place, you know, for us to stop and understand. It's like Ayurveda doesn't have the answers to everything either. And, and, and don't, they don't claim to. Um, yeah, I think from my like own experience of not going like the Ayurvedic route um, and going a, a little bit different route that is maybe a combination of Western and Eastern science it's an, an open opportunity to know that there could potentially be something that Western science can help but you also have to do all the other self-care stuff, all the other um, appropriate food for what feels good to you, um, you know, trying to limit as much processed food as possible. Um, I mean, I know, Sarah, this is like a controversial topic because like just because of maybe the science isn't quite there yet, but I truly believe that I had SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I treated it one time, but it wasn't to the extent of like what I think I needed. Um, and also I probably didn't give enough time um, for myself because I wasn't in the right headspace. I wasn't in the right 
um, and the right uh, place with resources to be able to uh, have the other healing modalities that I also use um, uh, along with like nutrition and exercise and stuff like that. Um, so once I, I got in a better headspace and once I got, um, I, I was really focusing more on like the physical things that I can focus on, which was um, like balancing my nervous system, um, eating um, in a way that felt good to me, both physically and mentally. Um, Cause I also have struggled with disordered eating tendencies. And so the last thing I needed someone telling me was what I needed to eat um, because I dipped into orthorexia for a little bit, not actual diagnosable. It could have gone to that point if I, if I simply didn't think about it um, or if I didn't do something about it and recognize it before it could have gotten there. Um, so, it, it, and when I got treated again more thoroughly for uh, SIBO, um, understanding it was a different type of SIBO than the other people's form, then I'm in the same boat as you, Sarah, now. Like, I don't need magnesium anymore. I poop every day. Um, you know, I eating feels good. I don't bloat afterwards. I actually enjoy eating. I, and I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying eating food in a volume that feels good to me. And I think about the macronutrients and having a combination of all of those three. And so I think it's just a good reminder, too, that um, we have we have to meet like we as in medical practitioners have to meet our patients where they're at, and also me as an autonomous person uh, and understanding where I'm coming from. Um, I need to meet myself where I'm at as well, um, and you know, and that's also part of why healing is not linear; it goes up and down. Because um, where I'm at mentally and emotionally and and spiritually and physically and financially um, changes depending on and which then affects your re availability to resources sometimes. That, those are, you've got great points in there. Like, yeah. Um, the, so the, if I, if I snatch different ones, if you think of SIBO, you know, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, like you said. So that very much, I think can be related to a vata dysregulation because bloating is vata um not pooping is is vata related those are all vata related um and it's so much more complex than that and that's why you work with an ayurvedic doctor but uh mm -hmm. you know what you're describing chrissy is bringing that into balance in your system and then we don't, yeah. when the doshas, the doshas are within range rather than balance. We think of them that they have a range within which they operate the optimally and they can be too high and too low. And then the physiology gets messed up. Um, uh, when they're within that range, everything works fine. You don't need all this other stuff. Um, the, and to jump back one on the fiber, by the way, um, you know, if a person has diverticulitis, they tell them don't eat a lot of fiber. Hmm. There's actually a, a place for that recommendation. Um, so 
And, and Ayurveda might be able to explain that, right? Because in the sense of healthy people eating, what we call a healthy people eating fiber, it should work, but it doesn't work when people have um, this, uh, you know, a diverticulitis going on. The, so Christy, the thing that you said about the headspace, that is actually, I mean, that's like uh, just essential. Uh, if we if we had known, we would have done it differently. <laughs> and way back when, and I think even for me, I um, headspace too. Not only like knowledge and combining knowledge and cursing through all the information, and and then going with critical thinking skills, and also my intuition and what I felt was right too. I also noticed that once I stopped obsessing over things, like, um, you, you know, one, like, especially if you decide to go on a healing journey of whatever that looks like, and um, things are going well, and then you um, have a slip up, um, or there's like, like we talked about the crooked path of healing, how it, it doesn't quite go in a linear way, then you start immediately thinking of, well, this is wrong. I need to do something else. I need to switch it up. Mm. Um, I um, and in reality, it sometimes it's the long game of like if I stay consistent with one thing for a while and give it a really good try, and nothing changes or it doesn't help, then okay, then maybe we need to change. But I also felt like once I stopped obsessing over every little thing, all of my markers, all of my um all of my symptoms I was having, um, counting every single time I woke up in the middle of the night, once I stopped obsessing over that, I actually felt my nervous system was like, yeah, we're not supposed to obsess over this constantly. Um, because the obsessing over it, especially before you're eating food and putting yourself into a fight or flight response, you can't digest your food. Um, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. sometimes even just that, that, extra stress that we unwantedly put on ourselves and maybe even not even thinking about it um, could actually affect our digestion or our physical ability to do the things that we're supposed to be doing. Wow. That like really speaks to me right now. (laughs) I think you're like, I'm like, Oh, that's me right now. If I just put myself out there. Um, Yeah. I think it's really that's what I'm in right now of I'm in a flare up and um, well, it's been like a week of a flare up. And then today it's like, yeah, all those thoughts, obsessive thoughts of what did I do wrong? What am I doing wrong? And then looking at my food and being like, I can't eat anything. Like, what can I eat? Um, And then obsessing over. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to find that balance of like, you know, I'm filling out a tracker and like recording my food and recording like, yeah, how many times I wake up at night or like when I go to bed and da, da, da. And it sounds like you're saying that I, I, I believe you that like, oh yeah, actually that is probably ramping up my nervous system even more. Um, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's a really tricky spot to be in. Cause it's like, well, I'm trying to figure out what's what to do and like what I'm doing wrong and what I'm doing right. 
and then also like okay then how do I like relax and just <laughs> chill out <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when I am in a flare-up like I just chill in a flare-up <laughs> it's hard yeah, yeah which is, I think it's hard for any intelligent person or truly anybody not just an intelligent person uh anybody I think it's just natural tendency is to kind of freak out maybe not in a traditional sense of screaming and yelling and throwing things but that internalized anxiety that we might have when change happens um I it definitely can it our natural tendency I think is to freak out on something like that so definitely it took a very, very long time for me to be able to be a little bit more chill about it. So I, yeah. Uh, so definitely don't put, you know, put yourself down. I appreciate you sharing your your story too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I yeah. know too. I think, like you said, especially since we, like, I feel like a pretty pitta type person of I just want to do things right, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I obsess over things and like want it. And so when I think I'm doing everything I can right, and then it's not working, it's like that's where the freak out is <laughs> internally. Like, what is going on? I've, I find with that tracking process where you are writing down, the mm-hmm. first thing that shows up is your mental state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, you know, how we're engaging that information is our, is, is unique. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, so we think, oh, it's this process is creating this in me, but this process is showing how I'm thinking all the time. And that, mm-hmm. you know, rather than the food, that drive of needing to be perfect and doing it just right. And there's just one way that this can resolve. And I, I have to, I have to do it that one right way. And, um, you know, gosh, that just, that's yeah. going to turn your nervous system in a knot and you're going to get constipated. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. think that when I had two weeks, a good gut two weeks recently, I didn't fill out my tracker at all. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was slacking off. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I feel like a bad student. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got yeah. back on it. So then and- for you, it's like both, it's like both tracking can be uh, stressful and not tracking can be stressful depending on what <laughs> lens you're looking through and like you just you know so then you're like oh well now what do I do that's so true and crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> well the, you know you used a word everyone might not know Chrissy was what, what, about um, the word for eating disorder earlier Oh, orthorexia? Yeah, orthorexia. Yeah, so that is, for people who don't know what that is, and I was not diagnosed with it, it just, it could have been if it went into more of a, of a manic situation, or if it got too uncontrollable for me, Uh, but orthorexia is uh, where people restrict food, whether it's types of food or calories, um uh and they exercise a lot um and those two together um can be due to obsessive thoughts and still not the best uh headspace um and 
what's really hard about orthorexia is that, and again, I was not diagnosed with it, that um, people tend to glorify it because like mm-hmm. bulimia is like you're leaving, you know, you're, you're leaving, like you're binging and then like you're purging, right? Or just the purging part. Um, and like, that's shameful, right? And then there's anorexia, which is like not eating at all. And you're potentially underweight and still think you are overweight. And everyone is really concerned about your health. And, and um, that can be shameful too, right? And then orthorexia, what's weird about that is that a lot of people tend to like praise you um, because like, oh, you're being really healthy and you're eating like perfectly and you're eating all these non-processed foods that are, and you're taking out certain foods because like, quote unquote, they're bad. And then you're over-exercising. So maybe you lose weight, maybe you gain muscle, maybe you look a little bit different. Um and people tend to praise you for that. And when you are like kind of back to Shona, when you're saying like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't a good student, so I need to get back on it. Um, I was exactly like that too. If I had anyone tell me that I was doing a good job and I looked good and I had that positive feedback loop of, oh, what I'm doing is right because I look better or I look a certain way. Um, but deep down, I, my thyroid was a mess. My adrenals were a mess. I couldn't poop I couldn't sleep I had migraines all the time I I might have looked healthy but I wasn't healthy (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so Mm -hmm. that's what can be really hard with with that type of um mindset that's a really good explanation (laughs) yeah and I think um modern living has really created um this near orthorexia in a lot of people, like not maybe as a full-blown diagnosis, but it, you know, there's so many food options that you, if you're not paying attention, you, um, you can get into trouble with um, poor food selection that leads to malnourishment and and stuff like this. So you, you have to pay a certain amount of attention, but that, then that attention can become the problem. How you're looking at it um, amplifies the, the the mental strategies that can be either uh, kind to yourself or beat yourself up. So uh, I I feel like as I'm working with w- more people on. De- on adopting a more simple way of eating that a lot of times the first step is okay. When you're looking at the details of how you live your life, what's arising in the mind, let's work with that. That's the ice cube we need to melt. That's it, it, we have to change the state of the mind so it can be at ease and playful with the process um, as a, a friend of mine um, who taught me about food at one time, Nancy Lyons, she said, I love food. I learned something new about it every day. <laughs> and, it, um, and what a wonderful headspace, like, yeah, to, to be, I liked how you said playful mm-hmm. and, and being in 
inquisitive or to be um, asking questions. I remember when I was um, trying to get into a better headspace regarding food and exercise and all that kind of stuff. Um, my therapist was would say, and I, like all of this is just data. Like the more data that you can bring in and not necessarily like writing everything down. She was like, I definitely don't write it down because that's your problem right now um, is hyper fixating on, on that stuff. Um, she said, just take an inventory of how you're feeling and thinking during certain situations and, and telling, asking yourself, like, when am I full? Cause I never had like a full cue. My hunger cue was like, never telling me when to stop eating. And she's like, just like, ask yourself questions throughout when you're eating a meal, like before a meal, during a meal and after a meal, and just gather as much information and have that playfulness and that that um uh just ob observation um and maybe some of that stress will go down um but having a playful mindset is way more uh happy and and uh than than what i was describing it, the other thing i use is like you know playing darts um so the tar hitting the target on a meal is to finish eating and feel light enthusiastic, enlivened, and, um, and, you know, like that food hits my stomach, and it's like nothing, it's so easy to digest. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's what I look for, rather than the taste in my mouth, I want it to taste good, that's, that, you know, that's important to the enjoyment of food. But then the next step is once I ate that, how did I feel? And, um, Oh, I can just, when I find the right food at the right time, it's just such a wonderful feeling to feel good after a meal. Not too heavy, like, you know, not like I ate too much or my stomach's working hard. Just light, enthusiastic, enlivened. Um, now I know I hit the bullseye. And if I didn't hit the bullseye, oh, well, back to the drawing board. Uh, Jeff and I are doing an experiment right now with um, barley, oh, barley oatmeal cookies. And the, so my husband, Jeff, so his needs are at one end of the scale and my needs are at the other end of the scale. And <clears throat> and so we're uh, last night, I made the cookies for him. He needs more foods that are lighter. I need foods that are heavier. Um, I didn't really enjoy those light cookies like I did the last time I made the heavier version. Hmm. So that's, I'm going to make the heavier version again and see what. Um, I think this is a really important thing that you guys are talking about. Um, and I do remember that one time recently, Jessica, or the Ayurvedic doctor said, you know, I can't really, I can give these suggestions, but I can't like really tell you what to eat. Like the, you just have to eat food and it's based on your intuition and how you feel and like reiterating, even in the tracker, it has, what do you feel before you eat during and after? Um, and I, I don't think, I think my initial reaction was like, oh, I just, can't you just tell me what to eat? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like it's so would be so much easier, but 
you know, and especially with a toddler, um, I'm eating really fast and like, I can't, I'm feeding him and myself, da, da, da. but it would be a good practice to just really like, really put a lot of emphasis on that. And even like teaching Gordy of like, we take a breath before the meal and mm-hmm. <laughs> even if he's being crazy, like yeah, suggesting the, it. <laughs> uh, two, two points there that it's taken me a couple years to, to like have the light bulbs go on. One is the answers really do lie within you, but we have gotten so much information in our culture that we've like somewhere out there is the expert's answer. No, no one knows what's best for you. And, and so for my IU, the, the road that she takes is a very demanding one asking you to be present and feel in your body to know what's right for you. It's much easier to give people lists. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I, I, now we have to wait for the other one to come around, but it was. Did it have to do with me talking about Gordy and like eating quickly with kids and yes okay thank you that um, in so in the classic literature there's this one section where they talk about um the kind of like you know guidelines for a proper meal there are 10 points five of them are about circumstance they're mm-hmm. about you know having the right place with the right tools and eating not too fast, not too slow, uh, being mindful while you eat. Like half of them are not about what you're eating at all, but how you're eating it. Mm. That's powerful. That's a big statement of. 50% circumstance, 50% what you are actually eating. That would you say? Yeah, yeah. I should pull up the list because the other the others has not much to do with um um yeah, you know, even oh you need to eat pomegranates. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> I believe it. I always think back to the like, meditation retreat I went to at a Buddhist, it was like a Buddhist meditation retreat and we ate every meal like silently quietly like mindfully I like pooped two times a day like it just was so relaxed and it was so beautiful and I do vividly remember that and I attribute a lot of that to the way the circumstances of of how we ate there for sure yeah um I think it makes me think of when I was at that retreat even going to the bathroom was like a joyous experience it was like a beautiful bathroom with like a heated toilet seat and they even talked about how important it was to like not be on your phone while you're pooping and just to like really enjoy the experience of um elimination (laughs) wow myself of that too yeah wow Well, I I feel for you as you make it 
as you go through this time, I'm trying to sort this out because it's mentally, I think it's the hardest part of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Been doing so this is a good um a good segue into one of the questions that you had given us Sarah of like we're we've all like in the meeting us three like have been chasing health like in the whatever form of health that we think it is um and so why don't if we could like define what our health like what to us is health, right? Because that's going to be a different, hmm. a different um, definition for each person too. That's a good question. Sarah, if you want to start, because I don't know if you've already had something in mind when you wrote these questions. Um. Well, I've certainly been thinking a lot about it the last two years because the whole definition, it's a big part of Ayurveda to say, what is, what is health? You know, you know how foreign languages, sometimes they have words that we don't even have words for. So the word they have mm -hmm. is swasta and it's a state that is not just free of disease, but it's optimal optimal conditions in the body like that there's they call it one of the words they use is the goal of ayurveda is datu samya uh, samya all the tissues are in a state of optimal uh performance like all the tissues of the body mm. and so and that when you're in this state of health, it allows you to meet all the goals of your life. It's really, it's a, it's a state of being that supports you to accomplish in life what you want. And so I guess in the back, you know, on the one hand, are you doing what you want, but are you doing it and draining yourself or are you doing it and, and, and it, it builds you up. Um, so it yeah like are you living in ayurveda like they talk about dharma yeah yeah it's dharma artakama moksha nama rogya mula muttamam what it's the absence of disease helps you achieve the goals of dharma which is you know whatever your your vocation is arta is the you know, accumulation of, of, you know, the efforts of your work so that then you can um, enjoy them and then finally achieve freedom, you know, like, or um, enlightenment, <clears throat> that those are the goals in life. And if you don't have good health, it's very hard to uh, achieve those and then is it like the idea too, like if you are not doing what you're meant to be doing in life, then that also can then contribute to poor health. I, I wonder if it becomes circular. Yeah. But then how do you know what you're supposed to be doing in life? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, maybe it's a a cycle. I don't know. Not to pick on you, but in the depths of motherhood, where it's a terrible place to ask, am I living my life's purpose? Oh my God. Because <laughs> you don't feel like it. So, okay. Well, that question definitely has been on my mind lately. I mean, I feel like I'm living my life's purpose as a mother, but then it becomes, you know, what am I supposed to be doing for work and da da da? All those things that I'm sure a lot of mothers go through in the early yeah. days. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's think- a lovely explanation, though. I yeah, like- I don't want to. Um, yeah, criticize or or sound like putting down motherhood, but I think there's there's a place in motherhood where we can lose ourselves, and you start to question, what am I doing? And mm-hmm. that there's that little segment, but yes, you know, motherhood is a a wonderful thing too. Yeah. Um. So I guess. Those are some of the thoughts I have on health. I think some of the uh, questions that were raised is, I thought I was in a state of pretty good health when when I started out. Well, yeah, I mean, all all along the way, uh, if I if I think about it, okay, from about my forties. So I I would say, oh man, the last 20 years I've been seeking um, the tools for better health. Because <laughs> probably around 40, I started to have uh, problems I couldn't overcome easily. And my thyroid problem started in my 20s. So I, you know, that was take a take a medicine. I wish I understood back then how I could have gotten out of that rut I was in. So, um, you know, I think when we're but younger, then do you think you were even, if you were even ready for that, like at that time, do you feel like if you were given the information that you know now that is in your experience helping you a lot, like, do you think in your twenties, you would have been receptive and willing to be able to do all that kind of stuff? I don't, I don't know. I wonder, but I do know that I had several doctor visits where I would go, you know, why am I so tired all the time? Why am I, you know, why can't I lose this extra weight? And, uh, you know, so I was asking the questions. Um, I also, what my like, Oh, mid thirties to mid forties were real, really about looking at family of origin work and um, dis- learning to discipline my mind. And that may, you know, so maybe it took me ten years to melt the ice, <laughs> the ice cube of my brain, <laughs> that to be able to make the changes in just the practical, mundane things of. Uh, in a way that I I could be more healthy. So, you know, maybe in my 20s, I I wouldn't have been able to adopt these things. Um, But I I, I don't know, maybe I would have also. Um, I do know that it's, you know, part of my makeup to 
is has a there's a depressive nature I have that I really needed to learn to manage. Hmm. And um that had to happen first. How did you I think it's a, a, a good reminder of like for people listening that if you are trying something over and over and over again and it isn't nothing changing um then maybe we need to try something else like to, like to get our headspace a little bit better and it doesn't necessarily mean have to be like therapy it could be so many different things to help with the headspace and then maybe that will then open the door to accepting and promoting and and feeling and and doing the the things that you were trying before yeah how did you um, head space sorry i'm getting a call okay what was the question um how did you deal with the head space like yeah was it like meditation or therapy or well above (laughs) (laughs) um it was a combination of things i used to say i needed several different approaches to pin me down because I got very good at telling people what they wanted to hear. I would, at at my depths, I could catch myself saying one thing to one person and the opposite thing to uh, someone else. Now I had the problem of addiction. So I think it was coming to terms with addiction and that was 12 steps and they're brilliant. Uh, you know, I know there's lots of different opinions about what's the best way to deal with addiction too, but 12 steps was awesome for me and continues to be, it's just a great framework. You can plug in kind of fits a lot of different religious philosophies. I'll have that same kind of thing there. Mm. Um, and then it was working one-on-one in a ther- with a therapist, working in a group, um, working in on meditation and consciousness and understanding my, my brain in that way. And then finding yoga as a practice because your body uh, doesn't lie. And if you can't do it, you can't you haven't grasped the concept yet. And then finally here in Ayurveda, it's kind of the same thing. Oh, I thought I I had it all together. Oh, no, uh-uh. I, I, I had those addictive behaviors and mindsets around food too. So uh, it, it was this broad combination of things. Oh, and um, body work, the, you know, somato-emotional release was, an important part of the, of the the whole thing. So it's all those tools together um, that have helped me come to a calmer, calmer space. And they were all important. Um, And I really appreciated my counselor because she wasn't there to feel sorry for me. And she called me out a lot of times. That was good. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's just 
combination of all those things over the years. Mm -hmm. And it was some pretty intense work with the counselor. I I think I, you know, that was about a 10 year period of time. Um, Working out weekly with a counselor in group. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even I went through a period of daily meetings for like two or three years. Yeah. I used to do the retreats with Richard Moss were twice a year. Nice. So, you know, we, we got to dig deep to change some of the things that hold us back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, weightlifting, there's a, a saying that goes slow and smooth and smooth as fast. And it's just like a, a reminder that when we're trying to rush everything, then we actually slow down our our movement we slow down our reps we slow down like our we're less efficient um so it's always a good reminder of that slow slow can be seen as more efficient and then that turns into smoothness which then gets us gets us to where we want to be in the future so it's kind of like that you know 10 years seems like a a really really long time but in the scheme of our life you know, you went slow, it went smoothly in some, at the end, right, or towards the end, it was going smoothly, like, we're all in, we're efficient, and then we can progress to the next part of our life. Yeah, and you're never done. I, you know, the place where I am now, it's like, well, okay, I did deep work with the counselor, that so-called family of origin work, where you get enough distance, you're old, you've grown up, you can look back at at the growth, growing up experience and figure out what was, you know, what was happening? How did that affect me? Which, what do I want to keep? What do I want to let go of? Um, And, um, but, but you never stop being yourself. So I still have, you know, the same, I call them buttons, but, you know, habits and foibles and idiosyncrasies. But now I can recognize them and uh, quicker and step back from them quicker when they are not how I want to be in the world. Um, so now my question is, what is what is the path for the older individual? Like, because I'm not done. <laughs> it's like like to say you can see me or hear me in this case. So I'm not done. Um, You know, there's a book I really like. It's called Autobiography of a Yogi, Yogananda Paramahansa. And he came over in the 1930s uh, from India to talk about how Christianity and and, um, yoga, I think, were similar. You know, it's been a while since I read the book. And there were some just astounding examples of saints from India. Um, And, um, you know, one of the things he talked about was, you know, you know, these beings and that have progressed to other realms. So you don't see them. And um, as a Christian, I was trying to understand, well, 
is that you know sacrilege or is, is are there examples in Christianity? Well, in Christianity, there's a couple of examples in the Bible where people are taken up, like to a couple of people, they don't die. They actually are taken up into heaven. And um, this is probably sacrilege, I'm sure, because I, I would joke, okay, I want to be assumed rather than have to die. <laughs> but nobody's coming with their chariot to take me up right now. So I think there's still some work to do. And... <laughs> I hope people recognize that I'm trying to be funny. And um, <laughs> of course, I have a lot of work to do. Uh, so those, those older people, we're not done. We have, there's more that we can do. There's uh, more freedom we can find, more ease. And I, I think what Ayurveda is teaching me is it's in the mundane day-to-day -day ways we live. Uh, what does it really mean to be in the world and not of it? That's a phrase that Christians like to use a lot. Um, what is that? Hmm? I don't know, actually, I've heard that phrase, but I've never really understood what it means. Well, I'd have to say for, for me today, it's, um, I'm gonna eat simply. And I'm not going to join in when people are eating um, things that are not um, in my best interest. Uh, or, you know, let's let let me. You you use the example of guacamole, for instance. So, avocados are not grown in the United, United States. I think down in Southern California, right? Mm -hmm. They're you not growing in Scotland where my body is from. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. um, and so we are, eat, the U.S. is consuming avocados in higher and higher amounts so that where these things are grown, the people who are indigenous to those areas can't afford their own food. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. The same is happening with like quinoa, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, not, you know, I, I, I you know, uh, last year I got together with friends. We, we um, you know, we, we had an overnight and I wasn't snacking with them and they noticed. And, you know, but I don't, I don't snack the majority of the time. So then I'm looking, you know, but I love participating with my friends, but I don't look, uh, I'm not participating in things that I consider not in my best interest. So that's what it means to me. Um, there's probably much, that, much more to it than that, that we could say. Uh, you're not going to go off in a corner and um, ignore what's happening, but I'm not going to participate in the things that are going to hurt, be hurtful to myself or others. Mm -hmm.
I bet you if you asked other people, that would mean something different to them. Yeah, and I think that's important to to have that statement too, is it's going to be different for everybody. So finding that intuition and finding the information and being consistent uh, with what feels good to you while using logic and, and critical thinking skills is, is important. Yes. Yeah. Well, what does health mean to you guys? Hmm. Um, I think mine's probably a little bit more uh, undefined. I think it's ever-changing um, depending on where you're at in your life and what stages you're in and what's going on. Um, so I think my idea of health is, or my definition of health is understanding that there changes are gonna happen in your life. You have to meet us where we're at. Uh, we need to trust our intuition and notice when our condition our conditioning from when we're younger um, is starting to make our decisions for us and not um, so meaning my patterns that I and my roles that I established as a child and teenager and early adulthood um, might not actually be appropriate for me as a person and when I'm starting to make decisions based off of that scarcity mindset and that my previous roles that I used to play, um, uh, making sure I'm not making decisions in, in, in that lens. Um, and yes, so the physical markers too of, you know, am I sleeping well? Am I having stress? Am I, um, How's my digestion? How do I have headaches? You know, all that kind of stuff. Those are, are good markers for me to then check in with myself and see maybe what part of my definition of health is, is missing. Um, or maybe I'm not, um, uh, a, a, I'm not um, having the need, my needs being met. Um, that tends to happen to me where I fall into these roles of, of pleasing everybody else and 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 sacrificing a lot um, for the betterment of other people, um, and or I um, uh, don't speak up about certain things or anything like that. Um, and so when I start um, getting a little bit more snappy um, with my like friends or family, or if I get um, a little bit more. Um, uh, digestion's off or sleeping's off or or something like that then I tend to then I have to ask myself what need is not being met in my life whether that's alone time whether that's um cooking whether that's um exercise whether that's um sleep whether it's um turning the phone off I just have to really have to ask myself um what need isn't being met. And then once I am intentional with that, then I tend to fall back into a better state of 
cohesion. I guess that's health. Health to me is cohesion where it's all working together. Hmm. I like that. That too. Yeah. Um, I think for me, health is us. Uh, this came up for me was health is a state of being. I also agree it's ever changing. Um, it's when I feel in tune with my intuition. And it's that feeling of being like in the zone, or like in the flow of life. Um, and being in balance, um, and harmony, like within my body, um, where things are flowing, um, and also being in balance, like within myself, but also without like sort of in harmony with the world, um, with my, like, with the earth, but also like with my actions and what I'm doing, um, in life are like, it feels like this harmonious state where things, um, where I have like this energy flow through my body and, um, things feel a little bit less effortful. Um, and I don't have to think about things as much. I'm because my physical body and my mental body and my spiritual body are all feel like an aligned. Um, so yeah, I guess the image for me just kept coming off of being like feeling in the zone or like being in balance mm-hmm. and in harmony. And what I <clears throat> heard from you, Chrissy, too, is how you get there is that checking in with yourself. Mm-hmm. I have some. Yeah. Some key questions that. Yeah, yeah, and I unfortunately, sometimes when I'm too much in my head space, then I get analysis paralysis where I overanalyze everything and then I just end up not doing anything, <laughs> um, which is the opposite of, of what I should be doing. <laughs> so um, I definitely have to. Um, sometimes get out of my headspace. And I've noticed um, recently too that um, I've been a little bit more like silly and playful at random times, um, which I think is, is a natural tendency of me, but you know, I've had to look professional and act professional and all that kind of stuff for so long in my life that um, that silliness and that being able to let go um has been lost and so but that's a great way for me to get out of my headspace um and into my body and feel what my body needs at that time Hmm, I love that the playfulness and joy and yeah so easy to lose that I I think about that myself too this is like especially having a little Mm -hmm. kid it's helping me like reintegrate with that like little kid within myself. <laughs> and that's been really good. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's like kind of what I've been really like maybe leaning towards recently or aligning with recently is like, you know, I felt really damn good like in, in elementary school and middle school and 
you know, high schools when things start going a little like haywire for some people and it's like, I want to get back to my childhood. <laughs> like I want to get back to like with the knowledge that I have now and the experiences that I've had, I want to feel like I did in childhood and still being aware of my responsibilities and, and being an adult and all, all that has to come with it. Um, but I think my health right now is is dependent on me getting back to that playfulness and childhood esque life. That's yeah. big. Yeah. 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 I challenge everyone to have a belly laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ramdas says something like you can know, like you can be that, you can know your own zip code, but also like be you know have your inner child come out (laughs) that joy oh the belly that makes me think of even uh, like watching gordy he's got you know the big baby belly call it his buddha belly and it's just so it's so cute and it's so relaxed (laughs) it's so big and beautiful and like I aspire to that belly. <laughs> yeah. Not sucking it in. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Way too much sucking it in <laughs> over the years. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you guys for the conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being flexible. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.